Konnichiwa. <laughs> and hey, y'all. I'm Leslie. And I am Laurie. And, and welcome, welcome to, to Sumo, Sumo Kaboom. Where we talk about all things sumo. And today we are talking about Yokozuna in the, in the shadows. shadows. And you have to say it <laughs> with a whisper. In the shadows. In the shadows. But first... Yeah, at first, I want to actually have a little bit of a correction. Last week, we did this really wonderful interview with Justin Kazard, who is the U.S. gold medal uh, lightweight champion in amateur sumo. And we stated that he was a world gold medalist. Oh. But we, we meant to say, you, but in our hearts, we were like, the U.S. is the world. The U.S. is the world. Because <laughs> we're Americorns. So, we're we're Americorns. <laughs> okay, because we're Americorns. Yeah, we're corns. We totally got it wrong. Uh, okay. I think we were just so enthusiastic. I, they were yeah. like, I, you're just, this is so amazing. This you must so... be the winner of the world. Uh, but anyway, we were wrong, but I don't going know. Going to the world. As winner of the U.S. sumo, he would go, go to, to the, the world. world. Whatever. He's a gold medalist of the world in my heart. Yes. He was so awesome. And yes. we had so many cool new listeners, new follows, people reaching out to us. And we had the best week. Just, I would wake up and pick up my phone and there'd be a, a Twitter follow from the other side of the world. And we just love it. We're yes. so until, excited. Until we saw that one person go, uh... Justin, did you notice that they said you were the world gold medalist? And Justin was very nice about it. He was like, oh, actually, I missed that the first time. They're setting my sights really high, That's though. Right. So Well, anyway, apologies for being so wrong. And just to remind you all that we are wrong so frequently. We do our best. We do our best. We're just not perfect people. We're as certainly. hard as we try. I'm close. You're closer than I am. <laughs> Way closer than I am. No. But I get things wrong often. As and, do well, I. Well, and often we're just so excited the stuff comes out of our mouth and we don't even catch the mistake that we make until afterwards. Right. So and that was just a prime example of that happening. Yeah. And I mean, come on, we mispronounce most every other well, word. So, hey. Well, yeah. Let's get started with the sumo joke of the day. Okay. All right. I'll see if you get this one. Okay. Um, <clears throat> all right. Drum roll, please. My dad asked for an extra, extra large sweater last Christmas. Santa brought him a sumo wrestler. Okay. Oh, a sweater. Sweater. Oh. Like a, like a, I, like I a big like sweater. I like that one. Oh, I like that really? one. They I sweat. That, well, we all sweat. All right. Well, then I have I no other I'm joke. I'm sorry, Malcolm. <laughs> I liked it. <laughs> I didn't think there was anything negative to it, but, but apparently... We have, we have small wrestlers out there, too. Well, yeah. We have skinny wrestlers. Yeah, but I don't. Th I think you're spinning wrestlers? negative on. You're just seeing like some sort of physical negativity going I am. into where, it. He's where just, there's just none to be. There's had. just none. It's just an extra, extra large sweater. Okay. Yeah. It's just a sumo wrestler. <laughs> okay. If I'll you would it. like to source some jokes, have happy times doing that. Okay. No, I think uh, you're doing a great job with Malcolm. Thank you, Malcolm. <laughs> I appreciate your jokes. Uh, let's go into a news flash. Do 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 do. Okay, so there are rumors, and I'm not sure if they're true because I have not been able to really find much truth to this. But it seems that in lockdown, the JSA has thrown a bone to perhaps some wrestlers, allowing them to do a little social media. Maybe Ooh. the ban. I don't know if the ban's completely over, but there are rumors this this week that there might be a little bit. I mean, these guys are just bored. 
inside. Their... Well, aren't we all? I know. So I would hope that they would be like, yeah, you can get back on your phones and post a little. Did you see the one where it was, I think it was Tomokaze and Yoshikaze? They were playing for Elise. Like one of them was playing the piano really beautifully. No. Oh, yeah. And I think Yoshikaze was not so good, but Tomokaze was. Aww. I can't remember if those are the two wrestlers, but they were playing the piano. And I thought, oh, that's so nice. Next to each other? Yeah, they were trading off seats. Oh, it was nice. Yeah. I thought, that's the kind of sumo content I need in quarantine. That's, that's the kind of content we need all the time. Exactly. Year round. Please. Sumo was, wrestlers playing piano. That's right. And there was also these this um, campaign. I think the JSA put it out, but it's a whole slew of wrestlers, and they're all saying, Ngeish, oh, I can't say it. Show, um, what is it? Yeah, I did Inge see. Shomodon. Let me, I have it right here. I think it means stay healthy. Yeah. Hold on. Inge Shimbodan. Yeah, I think it means be patient. Yeah, be patient is what I read. Yeah, yeah. be patient. Also, this past week, we have seen many other posts coming down the, from, I think it's the JSA's sponsored website or, or Twitter or Instagram. I'm not sure, but it was the Inge... Uh, what did I just say? How do you say it? Inge <laughs> Shomodan? Oh, God. Notice complete silence from this side. Shimboda. Shimboda. Inge Shimboda. That is what the JSA is. That's the message they're sending out to the masses through their okay. social media this week. So there's a whole bunch of different wrestlers just saying that to camera and it's encouraging the Japanese people to stay inside so yeah. at least there's that return to social media yeah and it's wonderful just to watch these guys speak yeah we hardly ever get to or... see that I know yeah I thought so too uh, although there have been even stricter measures that have been taking place within the stables and in lockdown according to Nikon Sports the wrestlers are to wear masks all day eat dinner uh, individually with the chankonabe, so they're not eating like all together one yeah. big meal, and they're not speaking during dinner. Yeah, they're keeping the doors open to ventilate during practice. But those are just some of the measures that are being taken to keep them even safer. Silent dinners. That's yeah, because sad. when you speak, you yeah. the aerosols out of your mouth. You know, yeah. and you have to not wear a mask when you're eating. Yeah, so. it just seems sad that even at a dinner table, you can't speak with who you're sitting next to. Yeah, I feel the same. Um, the Takasago stable master, though, he's trying his best to fight off the boredom from the wrestlers in quarantine. And there are also the wrestlers are kind of tired of the food. He has said he has implemented an uptake of natto and kimchi, which is meant to fight off fatigue, apparently. But the wrestlers get bored of it. So he's, he was stated as saying that he's been buying them pizza and donuts on occasion oh. to, to appease them. <laughs> yeah, kimchi is probably a little better for you than donuts and pizza. <laughs> yeah, but after so long, I imagine those wrestlers are like, I'm not having any more well, natto. They're going through exactly what we have been going through here. Yeah, you know, my... we're like, bring on just all the bread, all the cheese, all of the... Cheez-Its. Just which... bring on the comfort food, please. Cheez-Its should sponsor me specifically. <laughs> Only because you. the amount of Cheez-Its <laughs> that I'm consuming in quarantine is truly, it's staggering, the amount. <laughs> So that's about all I have from the, the news desk here in our parents' closet. Okay. Well, you're doing great. <laughs> Thanks. Stay on top of that sumo news. I try. We I try. But, you know, there's just, like, not much going on. I know. I mean, there is, but there's kind of not. 
there's news about the what's not going on. Yeah. And that's hard to follow. I think everyone feels just kind of down about it. But yeah. who knows? We can at least look forward to July. Yes, we can. And this week we talked about it briefly. The Yokozuna in the shadow, shadow, Yokozuna in the shadow. <laughs> <laughs> it's just fun to do that. Yeah, that was the title that we came up before we started to really lock down what the material was about. <laughs> but we landed on something. We were pretty excited about it. Yeah. So I will launch into a little bit of a history. Great. It's not a history lesson, just a little backstory on what brought us to our topic for this week. As we have watched Hakaho's amazing reign at the top of Sumo, he often casts a shadow on another fierce competitor in Yokozuna. And that's Yokozuna Kakaru. And yes, Kisuno Sato as well before he retired. But Kakaru seems content to be just where he is. He's always kind of second fiddle to the much flashier Hakaho. He shows up stoic as he is, competes well, and dominates. Just as the last Basho had him going head to head on the last day of the tournament, only to lose out to Hakaho. He's quiet. He's soft-spoken when he appears in the media. But who is Kakaru? Who is the Yokozuna so often seen in the shadows of another Yokozuna? There have been 72 Yokozuna throughout the record-keeping time, and many of them were dynamic, but for one reason or another, were overshadowed by a flashier Yokozuna and another Yokozuna who perhaps won more. But we want to highlight some of these men, the brilliant Yokozunas often seen as less than, but most certainly aren't less than. Yokozuna in the shadows. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's see how I do with this name. This one was like, woof. I don't know if I could do it. Onomatsu, that's the part. Okay, good that's job. Easy. Midori no suke. Midori no suke. Well done. Oh. It sounds perfect to me. Thank you. <laughs> I have no idea if it is or if it isn't, but it sounded great. I think it's way off, but that's okay. It doesn't matter. Well, just wait until I get into mine later. Okay. Ooh. Well, Yokozuna Onomatsu was the sixth Yokozuna, and he was born poor sometime in 1794 and died sometime in 1852. He was a modest height of five feet eight, and he actually weighed around 300 pounds. Many people believed his fighting style was scrappy. You know, because of his poor birth, like he had he had that effect on he had to fight hard for what he wanted. And he had this great fighting style, according to Wikipedia. Onomatsu attempted to win bouts by fair means or foul. Oh, yeah. To shake. That's the scrappy. side. That's the scrappy side. (laughs) To shake competitors confidence. He would often go and do mata or waiting at the initial charge. Oh, he's one of those. He was one of those. Yeah. Shifty. And even so, he was very, very popular in Edo times. In the top Makauchi division, he won 142 bouts and lost 31 bouts, recording a winning percentage of about 82%. That's good. Yes. The seventh Yokozuna, Inazuma, I-N-A-Z-U-M-A, Inazuma was his rival and the seventh Yokozuna. He over His overall career record was far behind Inazuma's, though, but his record over Inazuma was five wins, four losses, five draws, and one hold. So here we have this scrappy... Yokozuna, another one gets all the fame and he his record doesn't necessarily stand up, but his record against the other Yokozuna is what stands. Is what stands. Oh. And maybe he was the first Yokozuna who paled in comparison to another Yokozuna. Now, the next Yokozuna was a man by the name, I said, of Inazuma, which, after all, is the Japanese word for lightning. 
Ooh, lightning. you see, he's kind of like Hakaho. He's like lightning. Yeah, he was exciting. So he kind of pulled some draw from the other guy. The next Yokozuna I'd like to shed a little light on are actually a couple who ended up with just the title of Yokozuna just because they had very well-respected donors and patrons supporting them. Okay, so back oh, is that in, all it took back in those days? That's all it took. It, yeah, back in the day in the 1700s, 1800s, a Yokozuna license was handed out by b- two big-time families, okay? okay? And if you got a license, then you could be a Yokozuna. Even if you didn't have what it takes to be a competitor. So there was a guy by the name of Hidenoyama, and I can't say his last name, Raigoro, was one such lucky wrestler and the ninth Yokozuna. He was barely 5'4", but he had very influential backers. Also, Shinanui Dakueman, and I totally bastardized that name, was the eighth Yokozuna. And he was the only Yokozuna to ever be demoted from his Yokozuna status. Wait, this is the same guy? No, different guy. Oh. Two of them kind of back to back. They were both lackluster Yokozunas. They were with both like, that kind of paid to get their Yokozuna status? Yeah, they had patrons and okay. they had influential connections. So they were like, you get a Yokozuna, Yokozuna license. Yokozuna. You get a Yokozuna license. You okay. get one. So there's a lot of Yokozunas in this list of 72 Yokozunas who may not really kind of oh, deserve to that, be there. That's why they're in the shadows. They're in the shadows. Oh. Yeah. People don't usually talk about them very okay. much. Now, sometimes their record after they were Yokozunas, they would be stable master and they trained some amazing wrestlers. So okay. in their retirement, perhaps they were far more successful. But as far as being a Yokozuna, they were a little bit in the shadows because okay. I don't know if they really deserve to be there uh-huh. other than they rub shoulders with just the right rich family that would Handing out licenses. Okay. Okay. Back in the 1850s, there was the 13th Yokozuna by the name of Kimenzan. Now, he wrestled at the same time as Yokozuna Shiranui Koweman, who was the 11th Yokozuna, and the Yokozuna who actually has the Doyoiri style named after him. Okay. Oh. Yeah. And in fact, this poor Yokozuna Kimenzan's Wikipedia page is actually a picture of him doing his doyoiri pose with Shiranui also pictured doing his slightly different doyoiri pose in the same photo. Does that make sense? If you go on Wikipedia, there's a picture. If you go try to find this Yokozuna Kimenzan, yeah. it's a picture of him and Shiranui. And the other guy that was Yokozuna along with him? Yeah. It's a picture of him with another Yokozuna in his Wikipedia page. Okay, like so, he doesn't even have his own page. No. Or at least in his photo on Wikipedia, it's him it's with 50, another Yokozuna yeah, standing right beside him. 50% his. Right. Okay. <laughs> Which I think is, like, so unfair. The guy can't catch a break all these years later, even on Wikipedia. But he actually became the oldest Yokozuna to be named a Yokozuna at 43, which I think is an amazing feat that should never be overshadowed by any Yokozuna. No, I think that's fabulous at 43. Yeah. And there were many in-betweens of Yokozunas who overshadowed other Yokozunas who are right or long at the same time. But I do want to talk... Yeah. I was just going to, this is random, yeah. but for some reason, it's reminding me of, okay, who's the wife of George Clooney? What's her name? Amal, um, right. Amal Clooney. She's done amazing work True. on her own, but now that she married George Clooney, she's just she's like- She's now Amal Clooney. Yeah, like she's she has Mrs. No... Clooney, and I'm sure if you go to her page, it would be the two of them together. And not just all the wonderful things that she's done on her own. This is very true. I just feel like Yokozuna Kimenzan was the Amal Clooney to (laughs) Shiranui. 
a Yokozuna Shiranui. That, okay, thank you. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I think... Out of all that rambling With, we just did about marriage. names, you'll get that that's what we're going for. Yeah. Well, Taiho, the 48th Yokozuna, yes. the legend that is Taiho, yes. had another Yokozuna or two that was competing around the same time. Yokozuna Kashiwado, 47th Yokozuna, he wrestled at the same time, as well as Yokozuna Tochinoumi. The other two Yokozunas never really got the attention, the popularity, or... Um, the focus that Taiho did. And probably for good reason, because Taiho dominated and set so many records at the time. Yeah. According to Wikipedia, Kashiwado was to win five top division championships, a long way behind the 32 captured by his rival Taiho, who was promoted to Yokozuna simultaneously with him. He was, however, a tournament runner-up on no fewer than 15 occasions. He failed to complete four tournaments in a row from January to July of 1963. However, he made a spectacular comeback in September of 1963, winning his first championship as Yokozuna and second Yusho in total, with a perfect 15-0 record. He was listed as a Yokozuna on the Bonsuke for 47 tournaments, which puts him in equal seventh place on the all-time list. He was popular among sumo crowds, appealing to those who found Taiho too dominant. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And those eight years in which the two shared the Yokozuna rank was known as the Hakuho era, a combination of their names, Haku, which is another reading of Kashi. And then Taiho was actually quoted as saying, there was Taiho because there was Kashiwado. There was Kashiwado because there was Taiho. They made each other better. But time seems only to remember Taiho when another spectacular wrestler was right behind him, pushing him to be as good as he was. Now, no one ever mentions the other guy, but... <laughs> I'm sure he was great. He's really far he back in like, the shadow. <laughs> the poor guy. Anyway, but it does make me sort of think of a very similar rivalry, one of Hakaho and Kakaru, both Mongolian wrestlers. Same name. With the same name of those two names put together. <laughs> I don't exactly know. That doesn't make any sense, well, but whatever. Yeah, it's hard to understand how Taiho and another wrestler made a Hakaho era. Because because Kashi is another reading of Haku and Tai Ho 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 of Tai Ho. And then but the Haku The Haku is, is is another way of saying Kashi. That that is what doesn't make sense to my I American know. brain. Well that's because we don't speak Japanese I know. as you can yeah. clearly tell. So it, <laughs> it must be you have to look at the kanji or something and I don't know. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Hakaho is the goat, and mm -hmm. Kakaru should never be overlooked, though. And he is what I believe makes Hakaho better. He wins Yusho's. Okay, maybe not as many as Hakaho, but mm -hmm. one should never forget how incredible this Yokozuna is and how he came to be. And he's not from a family of gold medal winning wrestlers, right? Correct. So he's pushed himself in a foreign country to be at the top level and now sits comfortably up there with Hakaho. And I remember the last you show on the last day with Hakaho going up against Kakaru. I was pulling for Kakaru and he made Hakaho work. You could see he made Hakaho sweat. He made Hakaho honestly earn that Yusho title. He made Hakaho an extra large sweater. He did. Thank <laughs> you. Uh, okay, the joke's getting better. All right. He doesn't seem to mind though. And maybe he prefers it that way. But I'd like to spend some time figuring out who is this man? Yokozuna. Kakaru. Kakaru.
Yokozuna in the shadows. In the shadows. <laughs> <laughs> we'll never get old. <laughs> Kakaru. Ricky Saburo? Ricky Saburo. It sounds like Lucy and Ricky. Ricky Saburo sounds like... Ricky. Rick, how like, do you say this? Like a kid from a sitcom. Yeah. How do you How do you say that? Kakaru Ricky... Ricky Saburo. Ricky Saburo. Ricky Saburo. Ricky Saburo. I know. It sounds, sounds terrible when I say yeah, it. it. Yeah. This this episode, for anyone <laughs> who actually speaks Japanese, it's like, it's okay. Just turn it off. It's totally yeah, cool. Yeah. I'm so sorry. We're just reminding you that really we are from Texas and we, we're we learning Japanese through our apps. Yeah. Through Rosetta Stone. Yeah. But we spend a lot of time trying to figure out how to say Kakaru, the yes. R-Y-U. It's and so Rudin. hard. I, we do not get the Kakaru and then Rudin. Yeah. We, we, that makes no sense to Well, us. and just wait, because his real name is... Uh-oh. Drumroll, please. <sighs> this is Mongolian, so... <laughs> Mongol Jal... Rumple teaser. <laughs> <laughs> Mongol Jalavin Anad. That's, that's good. That's that, good. That's his born name. That's his given name. And we're not trying, by the way, we're not trying to make fun of no, people. No, I'm I have trying to as say, hard even when I was in Japan, my name's Leslie. And so. And they have a hard time with Leslie, well, I would imagine. They do. It's, a lot of the times it would either be Leshi or Lesuli. And it wouldn't just be Leslie. Yeah. So it's just, there's just in the way we say our words, they just differ. So yes. to other people, that would be so easy to pronounce. But for us who just haven't had the track time with these names it's like where do you begin guess what i found what i found the google translate tool between english and mongolian oh but this is going to help us a lot okay. okay okay let me pull this up wow what should we do first let's do kakaru's real name his given name oh i like birth. it okay okay and it is Anand Mangal Jalav. Anand Mangal Jalav. It's so easy. Anand Mangal Jalav. Wait, that's just Jalav. Is that his first name? No, that's both. Okay, good. Because I was going to say that is a consonant. I mean, that's syllable heavy. That's a syllable heavy first name, but that's that's a normal amount of syllables. And I don't know if it's Mangal Jalav Anand or it's Anand Mangal Jalav. Oh. I don't know which is the first and which is the last because I've translated it two different times. Okay, that one was from the actual, it looks like Russian text. So let's see if I just put on. So when you go to his Wikipedia page, it says his name as Mangaljalavananand. Mangaljalavananand. But in Mongolian, it's somehow the translator is translating it the other way. So let me put it in this way. Well, maybe they say their last name first. Maybe. Anand Mangal Jalav. Anand Mangal Jalav. I like how we both it's pick very up the musicality lilty. of it. Yeah. First. Okay, so that was his given name. Okay. And uh, the ring name that he has now is... Kakuru Riki Saburo. Which is so much better than Ricky Saburo. <laughs> <laughs> Ricky Saburo sounds like Ricky. a wrestler from the 80s. <laughs> so, yeah, this is evidence of just how bad my Japanese is. This is the way it's supposed to sound. Kakaru Riki Saburo. It sounds like Kakaru Riki Saburo. 
I mean, we're dum-dums, but even we know, <laughs> even we know how to say kakaru. Man, I'm so ashamed well, of, of us and well, our inability better, to pronounce We're things. better than this. Kakuru Ricky Saburo. But not much better. <laughs> I just can't stop seeing like a... Oh my uh, God. Like a... Like a Friday night wrestling, like Hulk Hogan versus Ricky Saburo, like <laughs> showdown. I can't stop seeing it. Heavy metal music in the background. Right? Rick and introducing Ricky Saburo. Ricky Saburo. Kukuria. Ricky Saburo. <laughs> no, we're off. We're, we're so off. off. We're off. But, but we're learning. But America, now that we we're have learning. Found this translator tool, we're nothing can hold us back now, Leslie. Right. We can look up anyone's name. Remember Hakaho's given name. Okay. Let's look it up. Because that's another one that I looked at and I was like, woof, that's for another it's day. Actually, it's easier. Because I was like, it's Monkbot something. Monkbot? <laughs> they must think our names are so silly, too. Well, Hakuho Show is that's, that's that's easy. his ring name. It's, well, he's the Hakuho Show. Hakuho Show. Everybody so gets ready for the Hakuho I love Show. How, I love how even in our um, Yokozuna in the shadows, we're still looking up Hakuho's name. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but we have to. Okay, here it is. Devajrigal Mongabit. Devajrigal. Do it again. Devajrigal Mongabit. Devajrigal. You know, Devajrigal. But it's that. Devajrigal. Catch the ball. Catch the ball, Devajrigal. Go along, Devajrigal. Haku was a little easier. But it's the, it's the, it's the Monkhabat. Monkhabat? It's M-O-N-K-H-B-A-T. If you ask me to say cock. Devajrigal I don't know. Monk if you asked me to say Kakaru's name in Mongolian right now, I could not. I could not. But you could possibly also say remember. R- Ricky Saburo, unfortunately. <laughs> Ricky Saburo. <laughs> really messed us up there. <laughs> oh! I did that not was like, like the world getting back at me. Like, don't you dare. Was that Hakao's name? I have name? no idea what that was. Was it Hakao's name? Did it sound like Devadragal? Yes, that was. Yokozuna in that, that was not was, he was not in the shadow. That was Zuna. We just energy. conjured Yokozuna energy. Wow. Remember when Wakat no, what is his name? Wakatakakage. Remember when that was his, so hard? I know, to say? but I love his Wakatakage. name. And I try to say it anytime I read Wakatakage. it. I'm, I'm read, I was reading something yesterday and I was like, oh, I came across his name and I was like, Wakatakake, oh, Wakatakake. I kept saying it. <laughs> 
Because I love to say it. But it was no, named. I just love the way it sounds. It's just so Wakataka Kage. Wakataka Kage. I, li- I really like the way it goes from the tip of your tongue to the back of your tongue it's just to the fun. tip again. It's a great name. Wakataka Kage. I guess it goes back, front, back. Wakataka Kage. Mangal Jalavananand. Mangal Jalavananand. That's Kakaru. Mangal Buro. And Ricky Saburo and Mangal. Kakaru was born August 10th, 1985. He's a Leo. Okay. He comes from a big town in Mongolia. Uh, his dad is not a famous sumo wrestler. His dad is a professor. Really? A college professor. Really? Yes. He grew up actually wanting to play basketball. Huh. Yes. And there is great footage online of him sinking a three-pointer at a basketball game. So that man can shoot some hoops. That's awesome. Yes. So he grew up really loving to watch basketball and wanting to go into basketball. But after watching a tournament on television with some Mongolian sumo wrestlers in it, at age 14, he just decided that's it. That's it. It's sumo. Sumo is going to be my life. He had no experience wrestling. And he wrote a letter to some stable masters in Japan, and a stable master at Izutsu Stable took him on. It must have been a damn good letter. Well, his dad was a college professor, so let's hope he had some. Yeah, he had some skills in writing. I think that's amazing. Well, and had no experience in sumo, none. It just hit him like lightning. Yeah. His stable master joked, actually, when he came on, that he was better suited to be the hairdresser in the beginning <gasps> than actually being a sumo wrestler because he was so little. That's so rude. Oh, no. I think it was truly a joke. Okay, but good. he was he was a little guy. He only weighed 143 pounds, 65 kilograms initially. But here's the thing. He showed up at the stable and he trained harder than anyone else. That's the story of Kakaru. He trained hard. He put on weight. But he was still considered a very light wrestler at the top division once he started showing up. Okay, It makes me think of those pictures. You know, you see all the tournaments with like the little kids and you're like, oh, look at this scrawny little eight or ten year old. Yeah, they're never going to be big men like that. But then they do. But then they They show up up. that way. Yeah. Well, and get this. So when he debuted at the top division in the Makuuchi division in 2006, he had he had doubled his weight. What? He showed up weighing 65 kilograms and was 130 kilograms in 2006. So imagine that. Working hard enough. Still, you're growing. You know, you show up as a young teenager. But still, doubling your weight in training, that's incredible to me. So he debuted at 290 pounds, which is considered light, in sumo wrestling in 2006. Wow. He basically took a long time to come up in the ranks. He didn't, like, shoot to the very top. He became Sekewake in 2009. He's like a tortoise. The tortoise and the hare. Yes, he is the tortoise. Yes. He basically went up and down in the rankings. He spent a long time with, like, eight, seven records, seven, eight records. He was in the middle of the pack. He is the definition of slow rise to Ozeki. He got to Ozeki in 2012, in March. So that's basically six years it takes him to get 
to Ozeki status after being runner-up to Hakaho in several tournaments and winning 33 wins in the previous three tournaments. So that's how he got to Ozeki. He didn't win a tournament, but he had still, without winning, he had 33 wins. Yeah, the back-to-back wins. yeah. Yeah. So in 2014, after scoring 14 wins and one loss in both of the first two tournaments of that year and claiming the Yusho in the second, he was promoted to Yokozuna, 2014. In 2015, he won another tournament as a Yokozuna in a playoff. And in 2016, he won a third tournament at Yokozuna. Um, But he really, he didn't win more than 12 bouts in a tournament at the Yokozuna rank until then. So in other words, he had two years of Yokozuna status without a big number of wins, Mm. which is kind of... That's controversial. It is a bit controversial. And imagine the pressure he must have been under to be Yokozuna for several years and not have big wins like that. Yeah, but he's obviously somebody who just chips away at it. So yeah. that's his style. Yeah. Nothing happens Which, fast. That's right. I'm going to get to his style of sumo in just a second. But mm-hmm. I want to say, I want to sort of continue his history here and say in 2017, he really struggled with injuries. He only competed mm-hmm. in one tournament that year. Oof. He had knee problems early in his career. He's had a torn rotator cuff, low back problems, ankle problems. He had surgery in one ankle to remove some loose cartilage, right foot. I mean, you know, it's kind of all over the place. In 2017, he was out most of the year with injury, but he returned to fitness in 2018, won his fourth and fifth titles in March and May of that year. And last year, 2019, he won his sixth. title. So he came back with passion. Yes. He is considered a foreign-born Yokozuna because he's from Mongolia, 71st overall. And I would say if anybody's listening to this podcast and they're unfamiliar with sumo, unfamiliar with kakaru, I would say he is the very definition of cool in the ring. He is always calm he is always collected he looks like he could be waiting for the bus to arrive like win or lose he could be watching paint dry i say that often i mean he is he's just very businesslike he's not flashy in any sense of the word he doesn't pump up the crowd he occasionally like you can occasionally see maybe there's some relief on his face (laughs) or maybe uh you know you see it look like oh i could have done that a little bit better but that's it yeah it's nothing beyond that well that's why i think when i find him on social media and he's smiling i get so excited because I'm well like, oh, the man it's, smiles. it's very rare i even looked up the sea bream photos you know you <laughs> yeah. see anybody else holding a sea bream it's and they have a fish. huge smile on their face like think of that asano yama picture huge smile on right. his face he hold, made it or michaki yumi holding the fish big smile and you look at kakaru's sea bream photo and it's just a mild smile you don't even see teeth you know he's just kind of like he could be saying i just had a lovely glass of tea right he very calm very cool he is like the epitome of dad energy to me like somebody who had a really super active hyperactive kid and had a dad that was just calm all the time and no matter what that kid did that dad would be fine that is kakaru to me i mean you can call that yokozuna energy i call that dad energy well and he is a dad he is a dad of two. Mm-hmm. 
He is known as being quiet and introspective, and his Japanese is said to be excellent. Huh. Yes, and that makes sense since his dad is a professor that he, I don't, I actually don't know what he's a professor of. Yeah, I tried to find. He could be professor of like ping pong or I, something. Yeah, it <laughs> could be dance. I mean, dance. I have no idea. He spent a lot of time learning the language and learning it well and is known for that and is known for being very introspective and soft yeah, maybe a studier. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, I think of Hakuho. Sometimes you'll see images of Hakuho with those big trophies and he's goofing around Mm -hmm. and he's holding it in front of him like, oh, it's so heavy. I can't actually hold it. (laughs) You know, he's he's just a bit dramatic. Yeah, I think that's the extrovert. Yeah, and Hakuho. The introvert. Yeah, Kakaru is just like, I'm going to hold my trophy and I'm going to mildly smile and then I'm going to go home and eat my natto or whatever. Right. His early style, Kakaru, was one of the lightest men, as I said, when he approached the uh, top division. So he made use of his agility by frequently employing the hanka to outwit his opponents early on. He was considered a very agile guy, but he steadily put on weight. So he entered the top division at 290 pounds. He became Yokozuna 50 pounds later, 340 pounds in order to be Yokozuna. So Mm. his style had to change, which I think is really interesting that these men have to figure out how to fight differently as they put on more weight. Yeah, I always think about, okay, so this story is going to be the best story I've ever heard. But um, when I was in the eighth grade... (laughs) (laughs) It can't get any worse than George Clooney and Amal Clooney. I like that story. That made sense. So, Okay, so I learned how to play the trumpet or the coronet when I was like in the sixth grade or something. That was the first instrument I played on. But I had braces when I first learned how to play. And so sometime around the eighth grade, I got my braces off and then I went to band and I had been first chair in trumpet up to that point. Oh, and and then I suddenly couldn't play. I couldn't play. My embouchure had changed. And then, oh, what was his name? Cause, whoever our band leader guy was. He was like, kid, I think it's time to maybe find a new instrument. No, he did not. He told you to stop? Yeah, he told me to stop. And he said, if you're think you want to still play an instrument I think the tuba would be good for you because you you totally seem like a tuba girl well he was looking at my embouchure and he's like you have full lips so you should be playing an instrument like the tuba (laughs) and that was even worse to be like told I was like a full-lipped teenage girl whose only option was the tuba but it's okay because I I then joined like theater and it changes the rest of my life and the course of my life and then here I am making a sumo podcast all these years later yeah but it's like it's yeah absolute I am at the pinnacle of success in my parents' closet (laughs) doing a podcast. But it's very, very similar to Kakadu's rise. He had to learn how to he had to learn how to fight a different way with a new body. And And, I just had to learn how to play with a new embouchure. And he has he has full lips too. So maybe he has a tuba background that we just don't know anything about. I wouldn't put it past him. I wouldn't I would not put it past him. I always look at him and think he must have been the cutest baby. Yeah. He just has the sweetest face that, as a baby, would have to be the prettiest little baby you've ever seen with his little full lips. Yeah, you know. He just, he has to be the cutest. It'd be horrible if I found out he was an ugly baby. (laughs) It can't be true. Okay, sorry, I interrupted. No, that's okay. So, back to his style. His early style is quite different than the style he's doing now. Now, he is known for being 
a belt, belt guy. guy. Yeah, you can see he, it. Yeah, he is all about the belt. I actually found- He gets a slap in there. Occasionally, the top, but he goes pretty hard for that belt. No, he just yeah, he goes right in for that belt, and he hangs on for all that he is worth. That style is called yotsu sumo, a style which involves grabbing the opponent's mawashi or belt. And this is right from Wikipedia as well, because this is the best way to find out really quick answers to something like, oh, what is yotsu sumo? Yeah, you grab their belt, you force them or throw them to the edge of the ring. But he's really known in the sumo circles. He's got a death grip. Oh, a death You want to know what his death grip is? Yeah. It's called morozashi. 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 It's basically when you hear somebody say, oh, they've got a double inside grip. Mm. That's what a morozashi is. Oh, okay. I've seen them do that a million times. Yeah. So basically, you... what, if you get that, the guy's toast. Well, for some, but not all. If Kakaru gets you with a double inside grip, there's only a couple ways you can fight it. It's a really deep double underarm grip. So you basically get in close chest to chest with your partner. You reach around. You grab their belt on the backside. Mm -hmm. You know, with your hands underneath, you get both hands right on their belt. What's so great about it is because you're because you're in so close, your opponent most of the time can't grab your belt because your arms and shoulders are, are in, in the, the way. Inside. Yeah, so they can't they unless can't they've got inside. really long arms. They usually yeah, they re- usually can't reach down to get your belt. Right? It prevents the other wrestler from being able to grab your belt because your arms are in the way. That's why it's such a great grip. Mm-hmm. And Kakaru is just very good at sort of needling his way in, in, in until he gets both arms. Which around. I would also think your center of gravity is shifted when somebody has that part of your body. Yeah. Because they their lower half of their body is where they center so much of their gravity. Right. If somebody has the belt grip and they could be pulling up on it, then all of a sudden you teeter. You you don't have as much power in your bottom half because you can't you can't right someone's lifting you up and grabbing you basically by the pelvis and just walking you out there's two ways to defend yourself the most common one is called kimidashi Mm -hmm. k-i-m-e-d-a-s-h-i kimidashi it's a little hard to explain but the idea is you wrap your arms around the outside of the person that has you by morodashi okay. you wrap your arms around them you clasp your hands together you lift and you pull in like the heimlich a little bit like yeah like the heimlich but somebody's reversed <laughs> yes that's it it's a reverse and you, heimlich yeah and Was you heimlich a sumo wrestler yes and you <laughs> apply pressure to their elbows basically you're it's like a double arm bar so you're yeah. pulling their arms in and you're minimizing their ability to have leverage over you i got it right yeah. double arm bar you reach you do that and then you walk them out because they either have to like they either have to move or you're going to break their arms so that's one of the ways that you can fight against it the other one is rarely done because you have to be a behemoth to do this you have, basically have to be tochinoshin to do gotcha. this and that is if you're really tall you got long arms you reach over the person doing a moro Morozashi, you grab their belt and you deadlift 400 pounds up off the doyo and you walk them out of the ring. Is that the wedgie? 
Yes. Okay. So you pick them up, you give them a huge wedgie, but it's a wedgie to the heaviest wriggling human being ever. I mean, can you imagine picking up 400 pounds like that? (laughs) Incredibly difficult to do and rarely done because I think that's what would give you the low back problems. Well, right. Yeah. Picking up, uh, I can't even imagine picking up 400 pounds like that. I can barely get out of bed without pain. I can't even, like, get my own ass out of the bed. I know. Yeah. Those are the ways to fight a morosashi for anyone that's unfamiliar with sumo. And actually, you know, I love learning this stuff, too, because I hear stuff like, oh, so-and-so's got a double inside grip. And it's hard to know exactly what they're talking about right. when you hear stuff like that. But hopefully that explanation explains it a little it bit more. It explains it to me. Yeah. And I think the only other thing to know about, well, there's lots of things to know about Kakaru. Um, but another interesting thing is that he married someone that's known as a countrywoman. <laughs> I don't know what that means in Mongolia. So she's beautiful. She's this little, gorgeous little Mongolian named. Wife. <sighs> Sorry. I, I think at this point, we... Dashnayam Munkhazaya. Hey. It sounds it sounded legit. a little Russian as I said it. Well, but they're on the border, right? Like, well, they're close. I, they're close. They're close. They're close. But someone, please tell me how to say that correctly. Anyway, she's a beautiful young Mongolian girl. Yeah, woman. and they have two kids. Woman, and they have two kids. And but I be considered a country woman? I don't know. I mean, I to think other of people like, in another language, if they were describing me, would I don't be like no. She's a country woman. I think a they would suburban... say she's a suburbanite. She's a bourbon. She's a bourbon. Well, I, <laughs> I don't am... think you're a bourbon woman. Mm, I can be. She's at a times. suburban woman. She's a. I no, know. I don't think we would be country women. Does he have any hobbies? I'd like to know he like. I would plays like cards, to know him backgammon, better. I there's very little info. Has on. a diary. I don't know. Yeah, I would. I can imagine he's him a smoking a pipe, reading books. None of this is true. But when I think of someone that marries a country woman and is introspective, quiet, and speaks Japanese so well and is so calm, I imagine that he's going to age into smoking pipes and reading books on the weekends to all of his little grandchildren. Perhaps. He'll probably become a stable master. Who knows what he's going to do in retirement? We know very little about this. Because he's a... in the shadows. We make ourselves laugh because that's where we are in quarantine. Yeah. Our bad jokes are mispronouncing things. <laughs> oh, baby. <laughs> if anybody is listening or you've managed to listen this long, uh, thank you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if he has a social media account, we should find it. Yeah. I have not seen one. Or if you speak Mongolian, there's a whole bunch of videos from him back home or what he does on the weekends, yeah, him playing basketball, maybe he plays horse, maybe he does some one-on-one. You know, one. he does obviously still shoot hoops somewhere. Yeah. I We I, we just need more. We just need more. We need yeah. more videos. <gasps> maybe he'll retire and become a basketball coach. <gasps> Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. That would be really awesome. Yeah. So that's our style of sumo. Yeah. At Sumo Kaboom. Uh, please tune in again for more info on the sport we love. We do have some great ideas in the next coming weeks. Yeah, we have some cool, fun stuff coming out. Yeah. Which we're not going to tell you about. No. No. <laughs> 
But thank you so much for sharing, uh, liking, listening, reviewing. We always love to see it. And especially for the reach outs this week, we were so excited to see how many new people and new fans and new listeners we have. And uh, we're going to try to come up with even more content that you guys would really love in the next in the next few weeks. Yeah. So until later, I'm Laurie. And I'm Leslie. And this has been Sumo Kaboom. Thanks for listening. Sayonara. See y'all later. <laughs>